Theological education should be accessible. In the past, men have had to leave their local churches to train for the ministry. At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, you can now complete a seminary education while staying in your own church and being mentored by your own pastor. For more information on how you can receive informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, check out our website, cbtseminary.org. Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here, and today I have the privilege to talk with Blake Long on his book, Gospel Smugness. So, Blake, welcome to the podcast, brother. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. And Blake, you are a first-time interviewee. It is a privilege to get to interview you about uh, your book. But before we get into uh, your book more specifically, can you take around a minute or so to tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So again, my name is Blake Long. Um, I graduated from East Central University um, in 2017. I graduated with my uh, Master's of Theological Studies in Preaching and Pastoral Ministry from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2019. Um, so I, I'm, I'm 26, so I'm, I'm feeling a little old every now and then, uh, but that's okay. Um, I have a wife. Her name is Shell. Um, we've been together for almost four years now. Well, have been married for almost four years. We've been together for almost nine, I believe. Yes, nine would be correct. Um, we have one little girl. Her, her name is Jovi Grace. She just turned two in June. She, um, the the terrible twos are a thing. Although I don't think she's as terrible as some two year olds I know. Um, we also have a little girl due on September second. So and she's also going to or yeah she's also going to be a girl. So the the long household is going to get even more crazy here in a couple of months. And here for two years I've been able to to sleep through the night. With no problems, but here, here in a couple months, I'm going to get no sleep again. So, but that's okay. Um, currently, I work for a nonprofit organization. Um, I'm not currently in ministry. The hope is to be in ministry very soon. Um, other than that, I write at my blog, theologyandlife.com, weekly. Um, other than that, I have that book app. That's about it. Well, we will encourage our listeners to find some of your uh, content at the blog that you mentioned. And uh, again, thank you for joining the podcast to discuss your book, Gospel Smugness. And uh, now moving this conversation on, um, I want to ask you, in relationship to the title of the book, what is meant by gospel smugness? And second, why did you write this book? Feel free to answer those in whatever order you want to. So... Why gospel smugness? So I, I I wrote the whole book before I came up with the title because I sat there, I had some of it written, and I just did not know what to title it. So I just told myself, I know what I want to write about at least. Write it out, and then you can figure out the title after. I knew I wanted gospel in there, and I knew what I was conveying in the content. And so basically I was trying to come up with a word – I was trying to come up with a word or, or something like a phrase to convey the theme. And I was going to put like arrogance in there or, or something else. But then I came up with smugness and I told myself that'll be something that catches people's eyes at, at the very least. 
Um, so, you know, you have to be a little pragmatic in that way. But um, I originally was going to put the gospel doesn't need your smugness. But I, I thought after talking with my pastors for a second, they, they thought it might, might be a little bit too long. So I cut it down to gospel smugness. So that's why the title is that. Why did I write it? Um, two different angles. So the first one, um, it actually started out as a blog post um, in 2019 of May, I think. Um, I wrote a blog post called The Gospel is Offensive, but we shouldn't be. Basically, the whole book condensed to about 800 words. Um, and the next day when I published that, I noticed that my the, the statistics for the book, how so many people were viewing it, was a lot more than I um, am, am used to. And I, I literally um, chatted with the, the WordPress.com, you know, customer service people. And I was like, what's the glitch here? What's going on? What's the problem? And they told me that's, it's, it's, it's real, you know, congratulations, all this stuff. And I'm like going, okay, this is exciting, but how did this even happen? Cause my blog still doesn't really get that many views on an average day. And I noticed in the referrer section that there was a, a challies.com and, you know, I know challies.com is Tim challies. So I went to his website and I just, I noticed that he had linked to my blog on his a la carte section. And so I was pretty excited about that. So I knew I had wanted to write a book. Um, I just didn't know what it was going to be on. And then with this happening, um, I felt as though this was one of the ways God was showing me, hey, this is what you can write on. This is how you can hopefully benefit the church with and edify the church with. So that's why I wrote it in that sense. The other sense, uh, the, you know, the whole reason it was written was because the the need for it. I mean, I, I no author should write a book and not think there's a need for it. Um, whether I see it on social media, which is, you know, that's an everyday thing. So I see that more prevalent than anything. But whether it's online, in person, you know, street evangelism, street evangelism, whatever it is, I see that Christians, well-meaning Christians, you know, faithful Christians, otherwise have the gospel message, know it by heart, all of those sorts of things, yet habitually and consistently don't display the love of Christ very well. And it comes across in evangelism. It comes across in our witness. And, you know, the, the whole main point of the book is evangelism. But I do, you know, talk more about our overall witness in some areas as well, definitely on social social media. Um, and this, you know, this issue is still ongoing today of having the gospel, uh, but, but not really treating not just brothers and sisters of Christ with with brotherly love, but not, you know, being a bit smug to the outside world. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to follow up on that question I just asked you. I heard you say some terms. One of them was arrogance when you were thinking about the title. Mm -hmm. um, and then you you talked about a longer title, The Gospel Doesn't Need Your Smugness. Um, when I hear gospel smugness, mm -hmm. I kind of hear like two contradictory terms, right? right? And that is catchy and like you even said, pragmatic. Mm -hmm. um, but what specifically are you getting at with the term smugness? Why why are you using smugness and what are you trying to convey? Uh, sounds like you're using it in a negative way. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So, so can you flush that out just a little sure. bit more? You know, it's, you know, the podcast I've done, I've never been asked that question, so I like that question. Um, 
really it comes down to, you know, smugness is about displaying yourself with pride in a sense, so on and so forth. That can have different meanings, but um, it comes down to we shouldn't be smug or arrogant. You know, we can use those terms synonymously. That's just the word I decided to use because I think it does catch people's attention more and it makes them think more about the issue, I think. Um, basically, you know, being smug in evangelism, having, uh, you know, puffing ourselves up in evangelism as if we're on a pedestal or if we have everything right and everybody else have, has everything wrong. I mean, yes, in a sense, when we're sharing the gospel with people, we know that we've been purchased by Christ. And so we know the truth, but we only know the truth because God revealed that truth to us. So we, like all of this stuff, we, we almost start behaving in a prideful manner in this way. And then we let that show through in our witness to people. And so the smugness is, is, is part of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for answering that impromptu. So uh, arrogance, pride, smugness, these are some terms that uh, Blake has shared with us uh, in a synonymous way. Um, moving the conversation on, in the introduction of the book, you give an example from the popular television show, The Office, about how disagreement often turns into hatred. Uh, can you share this illustration with our audience and why you're using it here in the book? I'd be more than glad to. I told my wife numerous times the the thing I'm most um, well now the word escapes me the, mo- the thing I'm most proud about is the fact that I was able to put two office references in the book because um, we're we're diehard office fans anyways so the the illustration in, in that episode of the office um, somebody decides to go to put this in a not crass manner somebody decides to go to the restroom in Michael Scott's office. And he walks in, sees it, walks out. And so it's getting cleaned up and whatnot. And as he's sitting at a different desk, um, he basically starts talking about how he is the victim of a hate crime. And then Stanley, and if anybody who, who watches The Office understands, Stanley is Afri- African-American. And Stanley basically you know, says, that's not what a hate crime is. That's my bad Stanley impression for you. But So Michael says, well, I hated it. And so I use that illustration and compare it with our overall witness um, to to the outside culture, to the society. And I really think I was tying it in specifically with the LGBTQ community and how we how we talk with them and, and how we try to love them in that process. And the problem is they see uh, this disagreement as hatred. Just because they see it as hatred doesn't mean that's exactly what it is, if that makes sense. So they hated it, but that doesn't mean it's actually a hate crime. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and now digging into an aspect at least of not being prideful or arrogant or smug. Chapter two of your book is titled guarding our mouths. Why and how must Christians guard their mouths and how does this relate to gospel smugness? So I think a large part of this is learning when to speak up, and learning when to shut up. You know, I, I, I don't try to use that in, in, in a rude manner, but sometimes we just need to shut our mouth. Sometimes we need to stop talking. And for a lot of us, even myself, it's very easy to simply keep talking, whether that's in a, um, you know, holier-than-thou fashion or a rude fashion, or 
if I'm just speaking over people and not really understanding that I'm doing that, what, whether that's, you know, something small like that per se, or if it's more severe, like you're, you're being rude and condescending and stuff like that, we need to learn the times when to just simply listen to people. And again, I, and I talk about this in the book, we're not going to listen people into salvation. You know, it's not as if in, right in that section, you know, I make the point of, you know, we deny the, um, well, that gosh, now the quote escapes me. Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Yes. So some, some people like to say, you know, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Well, that's simply not true. And so I, I, I try to make that point of we definitely don't believe that. But at the very same time, you're 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 doing a disservice in your witness to somebody in your evangelizing of someone when all you do is do the talking and you don't simply let them talk back to you. Um about their story, as, as simple as that is, like get to know these people. I'm not, you know, saying advocate for friendship, evangelism, or whatever you want to call that, but, you know, speak to people like they are people, not just a number or a statistic to try to, to win over to Christ. And so I use the example of Christ of when to speak up and when to stop talking, um, just to, to show us, you know, I'm not speaking out of the air here, we can look to Christ and know there are times to speak up and there are times to not, to not say a word. Um, again, following up would would this be related to something that I've heard like slam dunking Christianity down someone's throat? Yes. And I see that a lot. And, you know, I, I try not to delve into it on the book because the book is overall about our witness to the world, uh, you know, but more prevalent each and every day. It's, it's also about our witness to not just the world, but to how we treat our brothers and sisters. Um, we, we slam dunk, you know, our faith into unbelievers throats. And, you know, we say we're not trying to force them to believe it, yet we're not behaving in a gracious manner and not having empathy in the process in understanding that we were once those people that didn't that hated God, that did not, you know, want to believe in the gospel, and we lose sight of that fact that we were once those people. And yet, at the very same time, we have this issue with you know, in our own own camp. Um, you know, I just I, at least from my perspective, I've noticed it at least with within the the Southern Baptist Convention and how we just I, and I don't, I don't know if you're SPC or not, but. Uh, there, there's so much um, talking past each other and not uh, that we were assuming of each other's motives and it's just not healthy in the slightest. Mm. Yeah. So if I'm understanding you correctly, we want to genuinely share the gospel with as many people as we can, but our approach and our motives should be in ways that are glorifying to God and that are pure and, um, that we ultimately don't become prideful and arrogant. Am I understanding you correctly? I'm yep, thinking that's, that's perfectly it. All right. Well, um, again, I'm, I'm certain that this next part of our conversation uh, has applications to be made in relating to gospel smugness. What place does social media have in a conversation pertaining to gospel smugness? And what advice do you give in your book, for Christians that are using social media? Yeah. So again, 
I, I've tried to not make the book so much about only social media, but that's kind of become the more prevalent topic because it's it's an everyday thing. Everybody's on it all the time. That's what we live with every day, even though we you know we still interact with people in person and, and so on and so forth. But on social media, it's constant. It's 24-7. And I, the, the countless number of times, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, I don't really see it on Instagram, but definitely on Twitter is if we, we – these social media platforms play into our, you could say, sinful inclinations to uh, jump into an argument just for its own sake or, you know – stir the pot. I don't, you know, I've, I've, I've talked, I think I talked a little bit about in the book that, you know, stirring the theological pot or stirring the cultural pot, whatever you want to say, stirring the pot. It's not a fruit of the spirit. Um, I've joked about it. People around me have joked about it before. We all have about stirring the pot, but in reality, stirring the pot only reveals immaturity. It only reveals that you like to argue too much. Um, and so when we do that, we do a disservice because, you know, in the process, we, we kind of, um, we don't guard our mouths. We don't guard our keyboards, so to speak. And we, we kind of let loose on how we really feel. And um, we, we don't we don't take into consideration that Christ is going to hold us accountable uh, for every word we speak. Yeah. And so we talked about how we should avoid controversy for the sake of just being controversial mm-hmm. or stirring the pot, like you alluded to. But when is confrontation necessary? I mean, when we share the gospel, yeah. we understand that we're confronting people with the reality of their sins yeah. and with Christ. So we're not just um, people that are never going to be confrontational. When is confrontation necessary? And when, on the other side, should someone seek to be a peacemaker? Yeah, there's a lot of nuance there. I mean, at least when to be a peacemaker and when to be confrontational, because it, you know, it, you know, Scripture tells us to be at peace with all men, but then it says as long as it depends on you, or as far as it depends on you. So it can't be peaceable all the time, but that doesn't mean peaceable means be a jerk. But when to when to confront? Um, I know it, at least in the book, I use a couple examples. Um, I think there is certainly more than enough room to confront people in regards to um, false teachers and false gospels. Um, That's something that not just ministers, not just pastors need to confront uh, false gospels, but any Christian. And if, if a Christian wants to be faithful in sharing the gospel, he or she needs to understand the false gospels that are at least relevant in our day. Um, another one, I, I, I use the illustration of um, Paul confronting Peter in Galatians. That's an example. It's an in-house example, uh, but it's it's an example nonetheless that there's a time that somebody steps over the gospel line, so to speak, and we have to confront them on that. Um, an example, at least, that we would use maybe with unbelievers in the context of a gospel conversation, we, you know, and again, this is nuanced, but maybe at an abortion clinic, because usually at abortion clinics, you might be having to yell or raise your voice from the sidewalk so people can hear you. 
And so even with that, we have to be careful. But in that, we are able to confront people. And again, not in a jerkish manner. I know there's a lot of nuance there and how that actually plays out practically. But if we're relying on the Holy Spirit and not our own wit and our own you know, inclinations, how we just want to talk, um, we're able to do so. We are able to confront people in their sin and what they're doing um, in a compassionate way as well. Um, we've been talking with you about your book, and we didn't even mention to our listeners, uh, and I think it could be helpful. Where can people find your book? Where can they purchase it? Yeah, I didn't even think about that one either. So um, because it's self-published, I went through the Amazon self-publishing platform. And so you can buy it on Amazon for $12.99. And if you have Prime, you can get it in two days. Or if you'd like to boycott Amazon, or if you just want to go through me, you can go directly through me. You know, you can get in contact with me through any social media platform, or you can go through my blog website and get in contact with me and just let me know you want, want to buy through me. Um, it, it'll take longer, but you can still get it either way. Well, we want to encourage our listeners to consider uh, purchasing Blake Long's book, Gospel Smugness, and think more about um, what Blake has contributed in this book. Um, Blake, what final encouragements or thoughts do you have for our audience concerning gospel smugness? Yeah, so... One of the things I wanted to make sure I did in the book, you know, other than talk about the themes of making sure we're able to read the room in evangelism and making sure we're guarding our mouths and making sure we're behaving like a Christian on social media and all these sorts of things, I wanted to to leave the conclusion by saying, besides all this, or with all this being said, that this none of this means we back away from sharing the gospel. None of it means we don't preach the gospel. Just because I may be aware that I have rough edges or that I talk too much, that doesn't mean um, I get to disobey the Great Commission. So to encourage the listener, if you do resonate with this and and you do see this in yourself, and I think we all can if we're honest with ourselves, we all have these inclinations, whatever it is, don't let it get in the way of your desire to share the gospel. Um, don't let it get in the way of, uh, of your desire to, to preach God's word to, to the lost world and um, be a means of grace to, to an unbelieving world. Well, Blake, thank you for this book that you've written. Thank you for coming on the Covenant podcast today to discuss it. And uh, thank you for taking the time, brother. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And to our listeners, again, we encourage you to to buy the book. We want to wish you grace and peace. For additional content, check out our blog ministry at covenantconfessions.com. Also, keep up with our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Lastly, thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.